You're listening to the Choose to Be podcast with host Alana Gordon and Amy Wolsey. As you join us each week, we will provide you with tools, resources, and knowledge to help you navigate your healing journey. Choose recovery, choose healing, choose you. Welcome to the Choose to Be podcast. Thank you for joining our conversation today. And we're so excited to have so many more listeners and followers, and we're getting a lot of feedback, even from men who are listening to us. So thanks for joining this particular episode. Before we get started, I just want to make those of you aware of some happenings that are going on at Choose. And starting in January, I have a betrayal. I have my Believing in You group coaching program that's starting again. There's only one group and there's only a couple spots left. So if you want to take your healing to the next level, if you're ready to really start becoming even more aware of how your brain is keeping you stuck and keeping you from moving on and healing and doing that work, then this is absolutely going to give you that push. And like I said, it's a small group and it starts... January 4th at 11 a.m. Pacific time. I hope I'm right on that. The link to register will be in the show notes and maybe the correct time, but I'm really excited. This group has just been so amazing and I love, love, love this coaching group. So if you are interested, like I said, in taking your healing to the next level, then click the link in the show notes to find out if that's something that is a good fit for you. The other thing that I have going on is the dating after divorce. So if you or someone you know is divorced, whether they're ready or not, they absolutely need to take this three-day course, and that is starting January 12th as well. So those things are starting up soon. Get your spot, and I'm really excited about those coming up. Today is going to be a great one for both the betrayed and the betrayer. We're going to talk about a couple different things here. We're combining a couple different, a listener question and something that I think someone in your group, Alana, brought up. And I thought that was a really great thing to talk about today. First of all, it's how long until I actually see change. And then if he's not working on his recovery, he's working on a relapse. That concept there is what we're going to tackle today. First of all, and I feel like we're really not going to have a whole lot to say because my answer is so short. How long until I actually say, yeah, there's no way to put a timeline on this. And I feel like this is really frustrating for a lot of people. But why? Like, I, as I'm a listener and you say there's no timeline, my brain goes, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? Like, why is there no timeline, Amy? I know. Just there's no checklist. <laughs> there's no timeline. And really, it's because every every body, every brain is wired different. Everybody is approaching it in a different way. Some are more intentional than others. Some brains are wired different than others. There's just, there's no way to put a time limit on this or a timetable on this. And I actually think that we do ourselves a disservice when we try to say, okay, it's been three months or it's been six months or it's been a year. I should be better by now. And that's what I hear a lot when they've been at this for a while and they have a trigger or something new comes up. And because they, whether subconsciously or they really do think that there's a time limit, it works against them. And now they feel like 
they're moving backwards and doing something wrong. And it can really create a setback. So putting a time limit on this, I think just is not helpful. And our brains love time limits. It's okay. You just tell me like, this is going to last six. It won't last six months. I'm sorry. But it goes, if this just lasts six months, then I can like bear and grin it and I can last six months. I can make it. But if you tell me this is going to be five years, like I can't do that. And so our brain so bad wants this, give me this timeline so I know what to prepare for and I know how to handle it. And the reality is there's so many layers that come to healing and healing is so individualized. And it goes all the way back to what was your family of origin like? What kind of other traumas have you had that are healed and which ones are unhealed? Which things are happening relationally that are helping the relationship heal and which things are still damaging the relationship? What things are you doing and not doing that's going to be impacting your healing? There's so many different pieces to this that there is no way that we can put any type of timeline on it and no way we can take our story and our path and put that timeline or that chain of events someone else's onto our story, which is another thing we tend to do a lot of. Oh my gosh, that comparative suffering for sure. But absolutely. And I think that... Again, I want to hold space for how frustrating this can be. But in all honesty, when you're working on your healing and working on recovery, either one, you want to you want to stay in the present moment. You want to try as hard as you can using all the tools that you are learning to stay in the present moment and not allow your brain to get carried away with living in the future or living in the past. Because to your point, if you don't have safety in your relationship or in your environment, then your healing's going to take a little bit longer. You really can't do a lot of the work until you get that safety. That's definitely first. Some of these things, and maybe we talk about that. I think that if you want something, <laughs> let's give you something to hold on to. And so that you know that you might be moving, I even like saying moving faster, because I really don't want to put like a rush on any of this, but Let's just start with that. Assess your safety, emotional safety, physical safety, relational safety. And if you're constantly being triggered and if you aren't managing your triggers, then yes, it's going to take you a little bit longer to get to that next stage. Maybe that's another way of saying it. That's not so timetable-ish. Just there's stages, right? There's different things that we can move into in our healing and our recovery. And we definitely see that, right, Alana, those different stages. But if you can't get that safety first, then it will take longer. That I can't, I will say. It's interesting on this whole idea of safety. I go to the APSATS training for professionals and they break up the healing from betrayal trauma into three main stages. And stage one is all about safety and stabilization. And I have a couple of clients who are in abusive relationships where their partner is choosing not to do the work. And it's almost like they are swimming while somebody is pulling down their ankles. That they, are, they have to work so 
hard to keep their head above water. And yes, they are keeping, because they're doing the work, they're keeping their head above water. But when you have somebody who is constantly pulling down on you or put weights in your shoes, that it makes healing so slow or depending on the level of abuse, just not able to progress other than keeping your head above water. And so I'm really glad that you highlighted and took time to really talk about the safety and stabilization. And that is going to be so essential for any real progress and momentum forward. Yeah. Yeah. So with that question, how long until I see change, start with assessing your safety and start with managing your triggers and learning how to do that. Well, and change in ourselves is one thing. And sometimes it's really hard to see, but I will say, I think seeing change in ourselves sometimes can feel easier because we can see it and feel it and sense it and journal around it. Then sometimes it feels like it is seeing change in our spouse or in our partner. Because sometimes this is where my brain is going is when I hear that question is so many women say, when am I going to see change in him? Like the big question I remember when I was going through this is like, how will I know? How will I know if he's actually being honest now? How will I know if he's telling me the truth or if he is actually changing? And I remember women who were further along and they go, you'll know, you'll know. And I'm like, shut up. I don't know. Like that, give me something tangible I can hold on to. And so I look at this question through this lens of like, how do I see change in him? How long is this going to take for him? What can I be prepared for that? And honestly, they're both hard. Like seeing change in ourselves can be hard. Seeing change in him and knowing if it's real and lasting and authentic. Because when we look at the addiction cycle, the addiction cycle in a nutshell, and we can go into this more, but in a nutshell, it goes from this place of they have triggers I'm going off memory, Amy. So I know you have this written down. So tell me where I get off. But they have these emotional triggers. And then when they get triggered, then it takes them, if they don't deal with it in a healthy way, it takes them into fantasy, checking out. And then it goes into ritualization. They start doing these patterns that are unhealthy that's leading them further into the addiction. And then from their numbing, then they act out. Oh, act out. And then as part of acting out is a numbing. I think honestly, the numbing comes in all of it, but there's an acting out. And then for however long the acting out happens, at some point they go, oh crap, this isn't what I want. This doesn't feel good. They have enough momentum or pain to then dive into this. They go into this despair, sadness. And then at some point they go, okay, I'm going to do this. Think about how many times, like if you've ever tried to lose weight, it's honestly for a lot of people, pretty similar process, but this, okay, I am going to work on this and they feel really good and really empowered. Here's my plan. And so there's this period of where they feel motivated to change and they are putting in effort. And, And then until the triggers come and if they don't have healthy ways of managing the triggers, we start the cycle all over. And so I see a lot of women, individuals who are watching their spouse. And when they get back to this period of trying, they go, 
oh my goodness, he's trying. I'm so happy he's trying. Let's see if this goes anywhere. In this period of him trying before the triggers start piling up, could be one day, three days, two weeks, two months. And so that's where it can get really confusing of trying to determine is real change happening and how long is this process going to take? Yeah. And that can feel daunting. And I think going off what you're saying too, what's coming up for me is I have a client right now who is right in the middle of this. And I think those of you who maybe you've had a full disclosure and you're trying to work relationally, because when I hear this question, I'm thinking of there's so many different there's so many different stages that that women and men who are listening are in relationally, right? So is it how long until I see change? Does that mean he's not doing recovery? And how long till I see him actually work through recovery? So my brain's like all over with this question a little bit. And so I think just to narrow this down, I'd like to say if you, if both of you are working your recovery, both of you are doing your work, and maybe you've had a full therapeutic disclosure. And so you're trying to work on rebuilding that trust. I just want to say that change isn't going to look pretty. It is not going to look clean and tidy and pretty. And I think a lot of times when I've seen couples go through so much work, especially the work of a disclosure, and each are doing a lot of stuff, groups, individuals. I think that there's this false idea that change is going to be free from negative emotion or from bumps in the road. And I just want to hold space for that, that change isn't going to be, it's not going to look pretty. And sometimes change is happening in areas that need to happen, but it's not the areas that maybe we want to happen. Meaning like so many women are like, I want him to have empathy. I want him to change and be able to hold my pain. And so this is where like all of their focus is. You got to hold my pain. You got to hold my pain. And maybe he is changing. He's learning how to recognize his triggers and he's learning how to start managing his emotions better. But because he can't hold your pain, our brain goes, he's not changing. See, he's not changing. And the reality is he might actually be changing, but it's not in the area that we're looking at or focusing on. Now, does that mean he gets this like, Hard pass. He doesn't have to work on it. No, no. But I think it's really important to note that there are so many different areas that are to be looked at and worked on and addressed. We as B Trade partners can sometimes hyper focus on what we want the change to look like. Absolutely. And what's coming up for me as you say that is if, again, I want to, I'm kind of want to gear this towards couples who are both doing their work. And if you're both doing your work, then what's coming up for me when you say that is how important it is to communicate about what you are working on, whether that's through check-ins, where you are each able to communicate with each other and say, this is what I'm working on for myself and my own recovery. And I think that really will help bridge that gap there where you, and you can have a voice and say, I, I, can appreciate that. I see that you're working hard on managing your triggers. Are you ready to dip your toe into empathy? That's still something that I need. And having that communication with each other is really important. But I love what you're saying there that there's so many different pieces 
to work on because we're human and there's so many different parts and pieces to us that it's not all going to happen all at once. And so that can be frustrating when you're not seeing it maybe where you want to see it. And just like with your healing, there's no timeline. The reality is there isn't a timeline on his healing either. But this is, I think, what going back to this, like the patterns of the addiction cycle, I think it's really important to get really clear with what the patterns are. Because you want to be able to say, okay, if our pattern is he is really kind for two months and then he starts being a jerk and starts being downhill and he starts treating me meaner and he starts numbing out and starts being on his phone board. Okay. And if we're just continuing with that same two month pattern, then we're just in the addiction cycle. That's all we're in. And so with change and with this growth and with this healing, we should be seeing ways that some of these patterns are being broken. Again, it may not always be in the areas exactly that we want or in the timeline we want. But I think this piece of really getting clear with what the patterns are with you, with him, is where we can really become empowered to understand better when change is actually happening. Absolutely. I love that you said that. I had that in my notes to talk about because especially because abuse couples, destructive behaviors, couples, this addiction. And so I think that is a huge part here that will help you get clarity. And it goes back to being in the present moment. And so when you're recognizing patterns and things that are happening currently, and again, like we were saying, trying to manage your brain from not living in the future and in the past, but currently what's happening. And I'll tell my clients, record it, write down how, how did that conversation go? How did you feel after that conversation? And just start paying attention to those patterns, like you're saying. And that absolutely can help you gauge reality of what really currently is, rather than maybe what you want to be or what you're being told is. Because that happens too, is I am working, I am doing this, I am changing, you're just not seeing it. And so when you can get really clear and have those things written down for yourself, that will help. And great. That right there, what you just said, I can't tell you how many men have said I am changing and she won't see it. And the truth is, sometimes that is used as a weapon for them to not do anything and they put it on you. And sometimes they really are doing work and they are progressing and moving forward and they're asking for you to see some of their work. And so it's It can be real confusing when that could be in a weaponized way or that could be them sincerely asking for some recognition. I had, okay, I got an email the other day from somebody in one of my groups and she said, Alana, tell me this. Why is it that men so often want validation and recognition for all the work that they're doing? And we talk about this and there is this request from women to recognize what they are doing. But nobody's recognizing the work that we're doing. So many women are going to therapy and they're going to groups. They're they're doing their coaching and they're writing in their journal and they're working really hard. It's harder often, harder than the partner who betrayed them. So why do we not take time and give credit to those women for the work that they're doing? Why are we focusing on his work? And I thought about that and I thought, Okay, yes, 
I do see that. And I think so often women are asking for empathy and understanding and men are asking for validation and understanding. And because these are the two big focuses of what they're asking of each other, we spend a lot of time and energy there on those two pieces. And I think it goes somewhat back into like childhood. Boys and men really are taught of you are, valid's not the right word, but you have worth and value because of what you can accomplish, because of what you can do. And so that's, they're constantly getting that. I think this is why sometimes the men get really caught up in the checklist. And this is also why they're saying to their spouse, do you recognize what I am doing? Can you at least, I know I'm not hitting this all, but can you give me credit for what I am doing? So it's just interesting that there is this deep desire, but then also for a minute, can I just validate you women like you are working your butts off I see a lot of you who are doing so much work and I just want to say I see that yeah oh for sure I do think it's common and more so than not to have the betrayed do more of the legwork to heal and work the recovery and a lot of it is because in the beginning at least until they learn they're doing a lot of the legwork for their partner too and so they're exhausted And I think by the time they really start to learn the tools and understand, look, you got to stay in your own lane, stay in your own bubble. They're exhausted. They're just freaking exhausted. So the earlier you can get that correct help and understanding and focus on you, the better. But yeah, they work damn hard and try to do the work for both. (laughs) And it's driven by pain, right? It's Uh the, the trauma is so real and visceral and acute that it's, I am going to do whatever I can do to get out of this pain. And so I think that drives a lot of their work. Oh my gosh, yes. You do everything you can possibly do to make things, to make that hurt go away. And that includes trying to fix them too. So I think, I, I think in all in all, it goes into the thought I had earlier really beautifully. And that is, why this is so important for you to do you and why it's so important for you to focus on your healing, your growth and stay out of their bubble. It will help you see things as they really are. It will help you have the confidence in yourself and in your abilities to have a voice and speak up. And when you aren't seeing the things that you want to change and you want even more to change and they aren't willing You'll have more of that strength and tenacity and courage to maybe make another hard decision. But you won't be able to do that if you don't focus on strengthening yourself. And that's, I just can't say enough to that because I can see both of our brains. Like there's so many different nuances to this and pieces that can take this in so many different directions. And so wherever you're at, just again, with this question of how am I going to recognize change? Just start with seeing change in you, change in your strengths, in your ability to navigate this from a place of empowerment, from a place of confidence. And that's going to take time because you probably don't feel that right now. So what do you need to get? That's what you can focus on. And I promise that when you put the time and effort into that, you will, kind of like what you said, you will know. And you will know if the work they are doing is enough for you. 
because I've seen that happen too, is that they have done the work and it's good work, but the wife wants more in that relationship. She doesn't want it to go back to the way it was. She wants more because now she believes that she deserves more for the first time. And anyways, there's just, ugh, there's so many ways that my brain is trying to take this. It, let's just spend the rest of the time, if you're okay with that, on the addiction cycle that you were talking about, because I think this will really be helpful too for both the betrayed and the betrayer to recognize signs, because this will help you to determine is something off, is something shifting. And I do love this statement of if he's not working on his recovery, then he's working on a relapse. Um, I tend to agree with that. I think that if you're not doing work, any of us, if I'm not doing work on my own goals in my life and in my health, Alana, you know that I'm working on some stuff right now. And if I stop doing the work, then I go back to the old patterns and the habits. It's constant. And I am still doing my own healing work, believe it or not. I'm still doing therapy because I still have to do work. I'm a human. And like our human brains will go back to default. It's like my hair. I have to dye it every four weeks or it goes back to default gray. <laughs> and that is what will happen if you stop doing your work. So in that regard, yeah, if you're not working on your recovery, if you're not working on your healing, you'll go back to default. Well, it's interesting because, and I agree with everything you're saying, but I also know like the traumatized brain can hear this and run with this in a really hypervigilant way and take it pretty extreme. And so there's this like balance between understanding that we have to continue with these daily healthy habits to be able to maintain healthy. And it's, there's, oh, there's a term in science. It's going to drive me nuts. I'm going to wake up at two o'clock in the morning and be like, that's the word. There's this term in science that everything goes back to its natural state of chaos and destruction. And so we do have to be working to implement these daily healthy habits. I also want to give a little room for there are times of our working recovery that we are working harder than others. And there are breathers and pauses and like our traumatized brain. Like I can't tell you how many times. If Luke did anything remotely not 100% in the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, that means he's going to do And my brain within seconds was like, he's eating a caramel apple at Disneyland because he was no sugar in the beginning. Two, he is now acting out with other people. It would go from zero to 100 in a millisecond. And I just, if you are in a very hyper vigilant, still traumatized state, just be really gentle with yourself and patient with this piece of it. But long term, yeah, I totally agree that we have to continue with these daily healthy habits. Luke started, Luke, my husband, started a men's professional group um, for men who have had addictions or struggle with addiction and professionals who can just get support from each other. And he went to this group and he said, yeah, it's been a long time. Like I've run lots of groups, but I haven't been here for myself. And I forget the words that the group leader said, but basically like, shouldn't have left. Like you, you should have stepped with it. Like you don't, you don't outgrow needing healthy people and healthy habits in your life. 
Now, does that mean that the way you work recovery 10 years down the road looks the same as it did in that first six months or six years? No, probably not. But 10 years down the road, do you still need support? Do you still need healthy habits? Do you still need dailies? You do. And so we as humans, we tend to always be headed in a momentum one way or another. I always think of it like a ship. And that ship, when you move a big ship, it's like the slow moving thing that sometimes we don't even realize it's moving. So getting really clear with where our ship's pointed and what direction and being aware of when it's getting off so we can get back on, I think is really important for both partners to do for themselves. Absolutely. And I think it's that word work, right? When we say do your work, that's like the exhaustion. And so in, in fact, go back and listen to the episode we did on active recovery. Yeah. Uh, because work on your healing can look also like taking a break from certain pieces that you're doing and focusing on a different aspect. And maybe that's just taking time away from reading a book and doing workbooks and groups and whatever. But that's in of itself work is managing and knowing what you need at that time and being willing to adjust. So it, yeah, maybe it's just that word work that might be triggering, but this is what we're always needing to do in our lives. And it doesn't have to be that exhaustion work, but we always need to be focused on, on improving in any way. I know for me, I had to work really hard on improving to sit still. <laughs> like, really, that was something I had to intentionally work on doing is to sit down and be still. And it still makes me nuts. So <laughs> I have a hard time with that. Yeah. Whether you call it work, you call it healthy habits, you call it progressing, moving forward. I don't care how you label it, but we need that forward momentum and any relationship whether it's been played with betrayal or not um if we aren't putting in effort and putting in the work towards that it will start to struggle and so we we have to put in that effort we have to put in the energy towards those things if we want to keep going in that direction for ourselves yeah. and talking relationally. So going back to that initial question of how long until I see change, change can happen the second I decide to start to change. Already change is happening. Change can start happening the minute I start bringing awareness to it. How long until I see it? There's no, again, there's no timeline on healing, but focusing on which direction I'm headed and am I actively doing things in that direction? I think is a really good question to be asking ourselves. And just a side note, for my partners who have, have struggled with sexual addiction or sexual acting out, a lot of times we have a lot of denial mechanisms within us to protect ourselves. And as part of that, and a lot of times we can't recognize it, we are trying to convince ourselves that we are working harder than we're working 
because this is all a lot. And I don't want to minimize for you your very real experience. But the reality is when we have sexual addiction, our brain is changed and the level of denial that happens and our inability to see things clearly is going to be impacted. So this is why it's really important to have a professional who can help us see what we can't see working with us. And so if you are struggling with sexual addiction, you have struggled with this much of your life, having somebody outside of you who can call you out, who can help you recognize things, who can help you see areas that maybe you have blocks in or areas that the denial is kicking in. And because everybody has it, everybody has denial, but the way our brain has changed with sexual addiction around that denial is pretty, pretty real and can be very extreme. So please make sure you have people outside of you and in your circle that you trust who can see things as they are and call you out on it. Yeah. And call you on in a way of motivating you to change. Well, I love that you just said that because if you're not doing your work, meaning if you're not meeting with somebody to help you navigate this piece, then you're not going to, you can't do this on your own. This isn't something that you're going to be able to navigate on your own by yourself. And it's not because you're not good. It just means that you have to, like you said, have to have somebody help you see what you can't see. And this goes for all of us. This is why I will always have a coach because there's only so much we can see into our own human brains. And so even if you are on the opposite end, I love the idea of you working with someone. I love telling my clients how great they're doing. And when I recognize the progress, because sometimes it's hard to recognize that in yourself or see where you are getting stuck and staying because the, there's only so much you can do on your own. So for both, please, if you aren't getting that one-on-one help, seek that out. Hundred percent. So I think that's a great way to wrap up for this week. As always, thank you for being part of the conversation. And just a plug: January has some awesome classes for Amy coming up. Hallie has some classes on triggers. I have one on leaning in relationally. January is going to be a big month. In January, I'll just say I've worked in the recovery world now for quite a few years with different companies and across the board. Mid-January until March is our busiest time of year because we put off a lot of our healing through the holidays because we're in holiday mode, fun mode, family mode, stress mode. Does like we're just checked out of recovery. And then all of a sudden, mid-January, you hit that wall of, oh crap, this is hard and this sucks and they need help. And we get really busy. So there are lots of cool things coming up to help support you come January. So get signed up for them now. So you have that support already in place come when it unfortunately tends to get a little harder. Check it out, chooserecoveryservices.com. And as always, thanks for being with Amy and I and being part of our conversation. All right, everyone, who is ready to take their healing to the next level? Are you ready for more self-awareness and healing than group coaching is how you get there? I call it getting double coached. Not only will you be coached by me, but as you watch other human brains, it's going to give you more insight as to what your brain is doing. We don't know what we don't know. And so this is going to help you improve and become a healthier you. 
My next group starts January, but spots fill up fast. So if you think you're going to be ready to take your healing journey up a notch, check out the link in the show notes or head over to Choose Recovery Services and check out my Believing in You group coaching program because we are so invested in helping you to choose healing, to choose recovery, and not only believe in you, but to choose you. All right, everyone. See you next time. Take care, everybody.